Welcome, everyone, to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. That's us. Who sings that? The Fugees. Eddie's cracking up right now. All right, what's up, you guys? The Fugees. Eddie's like, I didn't expect him to sing the Fugees, but he sung them. <laughs> what a good way of starting the podcast. I can't remember what it's from, but all I can think about is there's a... Man, it might be... It might be between two ferns, or it might be one of his movies. But Zach Galifianakis, this he says something about. They ask him like, I don't know, something like, "What your favorite band?" He's like, "The Fugees." <laughs> Zach Galifianakis. Is yeah, what was that? What was that? I don't know, man. I can't. I know it's Zach Galifianakis, but I just can't place what it's from. Yeah, because he does like the a Fugees. couple, a couple of oh. different personalities, and that's one of them specifically. Was it that political movie? The campaign. Yeah, it might have been. <laughs> Why is there a screw? There's a wood screw here on the desk. Get screwed, man. Mm. You're not meant to be here, wood screw. We're not doing any carpentry. That's not true. I know why the wood screw's here. I have a uh, tension rod in the closet here because it's the closet's not finished very well, but I also need to hang some things in it. So I have a tension rod in there, like mm. you would put a shower curtain on if you were if you. If you mm-hmm. You know, in any case, um, it, that's what it's for. It just keeps falling down. Oh, really? Because he puts enough weight on it, and the tension will just say "fuck off," and it will just collapse. So uh, I put a screw in there. Problem solved. Anymore. Problem solved. Yes, indeed. You're like MacGyver. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much just like MacGyver. Just no mullet, which is a real a real sad part of it. You should have a mullet. A mullet. A curly mullet, dude. You don't get like. Tight curly mullets a lot. I can think of one. My hair would have to get super long yeah. because if it starts getting curly, then it was it, it'll get shorter. So you have to grow yeah. it even longer, and then it would just be this thick curly mess, and that have to be weighted down with lots of gel. Otherwise, it would be afro mullet, and I don't even think that classifies as a mullet. Well, you would look like um, what's his name? What's the character's name? I can think of the actor's name easily. Danny McBride? Yeah, that's the actor's <laughs> name. Kenny Powers. Kenny fucking Powers. Yeah, man. Curly black mullet, that's Kenny Powers all the way. Mm. If I ever cut my hair, I'm cutting it into a mullet for like a while. Mm. Probably won't keep it there. I don't know how I feel about that. You brought up two things on this podcast that I don't know how I feel about. Uh, one of them is wearing a mullet. The other one is a face tattoo. You remember when you brought that up? Yeah, dude. I still feel that I way. Didn't, I didn't think it was... Um, Great, a great idea when Mike Tyson did it, and he's a scary motherfucker. But, well, what to be fair, when I brought up doing it, I said if like 
we go back to like tribal times, you know, oh, like is that society the, uh, collapses. Well, yeah, in that I'm case, getting face sure, yeah. I mean, it's the only way to guarantee that you get pussy in in the Stone Age. Fa- face, face tattoos, tattoos they yeah. really do. Well, it. it's a, if you want to guarantee. It's funny, we're it's kind of like we're going back to the Stone Age now because mm. you know, face tattoos are popular. Do you think that? Um, we're talking about being a pussy. Do you think that the um, the culture in this country and in the West in general? Is nurturing more feminized men? Yes. Not that. That's not. I mean, that goes without saying. Oh, okay. That's not the question. The question right. is: Do you think that with um, the combination of like fertility f- levels falling and men becoming pussies, getting socially pressured to become less aggressive and less sexual and less uh, all that stuff that that we're supposed to be ashamed of? Do you think that with, with that in combination with the illegal immigration that we're seeing, it doesn't it doesn't even need to be illegal, but let's just say we're replacing the, the population. Um, do you think that the women are going to start gravitating towards the men that haven't been pussified, meaning that they're I think that's that already happening? Yeah, they're going to want like a like a like a Mexican stallion rather than these weak these weak uh, American um, shoehorns. I don't know. It just seemed like it seemed like a good insult. It does, see, it does seem like a good insult. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um Yeah, I think that that's already happening to some degree, and I think that a lot of times you see these feminist type women, and a lot of times they have a thing for like big manly men. You yeah, know? isn't that it's funny? Like, yeah, you're a fucking hypocrite. You're, you know. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that's uh, intentional? As a way, as a means, a long term means of fighting racism, like you know what, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start pussifying all the men in, in the United States. Then we're going to bring in, then we're going to bring in uh, brown and black people from all over the world, and the women will, the American women will gravitate towards them because they're manly, and the yeah. rest, and the rest of the Americans aren't. And that way, we'll mix, we'll mix uh, everybody up, and then it will solve the racism problem. Do you think this is the four D chess that uh, that we're playing here? <clears throat> um. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think that getting getting the birth rate to fall, that is obviously, to me, part of the plan. Um, and destroying any kind of homogeneity is also the plan, in my opinion. Uh, and that makes me sound like a big <laughs> racist, but I don't fucking care. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that those are the plans now. How much they've like thought about like the the minutia like that of how, what's going? They probably have. They probably, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. But uh, but I do think whether it's um, a conspiracy theory or not, I do think that's true. I think that uh, that women are attracted to men, and I think that means something. I think it means something genetically, it means something hormonally, it means something psychologically that, you know, like there's this uh, religious idea that men and women come together to complete one another because there are things that men are like that, that are different from women and things women are like that are different from men. Shout out to The Notebook. <laughs> complete me. That is from The Notebook, right? No, that's Jerry Maguire, motherfucker. You complete me? Isn't it? What's that from? Oh, I think it is Jerry Maguire. <laughs> I was the- if you're a bird, I'm you a bird. You had me at hello is what I was thinking of from oh. Jerry Maguire at first. I was like, that's mm. not. But yeah. Yeah. There was more than one line in that movie. Show me the money. That's another one. Yep. I what love was I black saying? people. He yells that. He does. That yeah, movie. he sure does. 
Cuba Gooding, man. Tom Cruise is the man. We talked about this last we week. We did, yeah. We don't need to rehash uh-uh. it. But we could talk about Cuba Gooding being the man. He's not really the man, though. You sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure on that one. He's handsome. He's talented. His name is Cuba. Yeah, true. That's pretty cool, man. He's a junior. Yeah, he's not even the first Cuba. There was yeah. a Cuba before him. Yeah. The legacy and if, Cuba. And he trends, if the trend holds that his his father was more manly than he was. so I bet he was. Yeah. What was I talking about? Oh, um, about men, men and women being different. So there's this uh, Greek myth about uh, hermaphrodite, which is where hermaphrodite, the word, comes from. Right. But it's about, um, in the beginning, human beings were, according to Greek myth, there was different races of, of um people that were destroyed and, and then a new races begun as uh, the gods were trying to perfect it. So the first human beings were made of gold, the second were made of silver, that kind of thing, and you go all the way down to the made of earth, which is where we come from. But when the first human beings were made, they were um, her- hermaphroditic. They were man and woman together. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were multiple-faced creatures, you know, something like that. And at some point, they were split in two. So now we're... Now we're imperfect, we're unwhole, and we need each other in order to bec- become whole. And that's a very, like, you know, poetic story, you know, that kind of thing. It's a myth. But I think there's some truth in that. If you, if you don't brush it off entirely as, as, as a, just a silly story, we do complete each other. And I think that the more feminized men get, the less capable we are of completing our women. And to turn, you know, that coin to the other side, the more women start wanting to be men and behaving like men and doing all the, we can do all the things that men can do. Yep. No, you can't. Uh, I I tweeted this out the other day. You find, I mean, I know there are going to be outliers, but the, what's the, what's the saying? Um, The exception that proves the rule. Mm. Um, If there's an exception, it just proves the rule for the rest of them. Um, you find any woman and I'm going, if it's a competition of digging holes, I'm going to smash like pretty much any woman you put in front of me. Yep. Um, so, you know, it, we're not the same. I, I, I was saying, I was thinking this the other day too. I am sexist. It be, if sexist means that you can't acknowledge that there are differences between the sexes, then mm-hmm. I am sexist because there clearly are. And if you try to tell me there aren't, you're a dumb person. Uh, or you're like um, one of these sinister people who are trying to push this kind of nonsense for whatever reason. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, I see those people as, uh, as children that want to wish their fantasy world into reality. That's, that's what I see. Unfortunately, that's, I see a lot of that nowadays. I think, that, I think that we've talked about the trans thing to, to death, but I think that is also uh, a symptom of this, that we have... And it, there's parts of it that are good. It's like we open up the, the world of imagination to the real world. And you can imagine instances where, like, creative people and inventors will thrive in a, in a place where they can think freely. But then you got a bunch of dumb motherfuckers that think, I can be a boy. I can be a fucking foxkin. You know, Every, I will force the world to, to treat me as though I'm a sheep. Whatever, whatever it you is. You are a sheep. So <laughs> whatever it is, man. Um, I, th- I think it's it's giving the reins of adult society to perpetual children that haven't grown up enough to realize that fantasy, while it can be made reality, and while that's one of the greatest powers of human beings, there are limits to it. And, uh, you know, they just want to close their eyes and fucking click their crystal shoes to their fucking ruby ruby what are the slippers together and, and 
imagine when they open their eyes that the world will will be at whatever they want it to be and that is scary and it's fucking weird and i'm i just want to say it's weird yep yeah i mean you can't imagine things and create them you know um the everything we have is from that literally Correct. everything we have is from correct that. um but you know First of all, there are limits, you know, there are some things that you can imagine. Well, I don't know, maybe someday we'll be able to do them, but right now seems impossible. Um, and the other thing is, what is the other thing? Mm. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, this is what it is. You can't just imagine it and have it happen. You have to work. That's it. You have to, like, make it happen. That's it, yeah. 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 And I guess... Going to a doctor and having him put you on a bunch of drugs and fucking with your hormones and, you know, ruining your future chances of ever reproducing and all of that stuff. And then having, you know, like a hole drilled into your pelvis and all kinds. I guess that's work. That is work. But it's it's suffering. Yeah. And I think you're paying a price for it one way or the other. And it's not going to make you happy. Nope. You're. I'm not going to say that, but. Bad things usually come, you know. You go down the road for a lot of people who do that, and it's bad things. It's not not happy, happy times. Listen, man, one of the hallmarks of being a grown-up is realizing that things do not make you happy. Yeah. You know, um, you, you got to learn that lesson, man. Yeah. I think um, just talking about the hole being drilled into the pelvis and stuff like that, I think it's interesting that a lot of male to female trans people don't get the bottom surgery. Yeah, that's telling, isn't it? I think it? that's interesting. <clears throat> it's it's evidence that the uh, that 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 the technology that the surgery is not up to par. Also, it's evidence that men like their dicks. They like their dicks, man. They yeah. want to they want to hang on to that little motherfucker. I'm not no interest in getting rid of mine ever. Mm-mm, nope. Actually, sometimes when I think about like the trouble that it has caused me in my life. I'm like, I'd just like lock it away, you know, yeah. put it in a box somewhere. Yeah. Break it out when I need to. Yep. But I don't want to get rid of it. That's an interesting thing, man. It's like when you say the trouble it's gotten you into over the years, there's some truth in that. Um, so I've been thinking about like when my kids become become teenagers, how yeah. how I'm going to warn them, how am I going to get through to them about what it is that they're, going to be facing it's like i was thinking about this the other day it's like every experience you have for the first time is the most incredible time just ask just ask a heroin addict you're chasing the dragon the first time is the best time the first time you penetrated a vagina kyle you were like this is the tits right the first time the very first time you had a fucking chocolate sundae with the cherry on top you're like this is the tits. Every Sunday thereafter has been great, but not as great as that first one, man, because it blew your mind. It was the first time that those those walls came crumbling down. And you were like, this is possible. So kids, when they enter puberty, face that. They're having new experiences for the first time. And some of those experiences are incredible, like infatuation and love and uh, you know having your bits touched by somebody else. And you're like, Jesus, man, it's like this... They don't even realize how revolutionary that all that stuff is to their lives, and how it will change their their their, their future permanently. They will never be the same after that. 
and they and they chase that dragon just like anybody else does. Um, how do you warn a kid? Like, look, at some point you're going to look over at a boy, and that boy is going to be interesting to you and appealing and alluring to you in ways that you cannot imagine. You are going to want that boy for your own, and you and you won't even ask yourself why. You, you're not even smart enough to understand why it is that this boy who you've been going to school with for fucking all elementary school, all of a sudden at 14 is glowing like a god for you. And you're like, some, you know, I, he's cute. I just like him. I don't know why. The same thing with a, a boy to a girl. We don't remember that feeling. It's like all of a sudden the girls that you went to school with all those years are like fucking goddesses on a pedestal, you know? And everything about them is just like, yes. You're going to be faced with that at some point. And I have to tell my kids. Maybe I don't. Nobody ever told me this. But I feel like maybe i got to tell my kids. At some point, you're going to have an irrational interest and desire in the other sex. And all because you've never had those experiences before, you're going to think you're in love. You're going to think that, you're never, that this feeling is unique and you're never going to feel it before. And it's going to cost you to make dumb decisions. And the truth is... It's not unique. You're going to have that feeling many other, many more times in your life. And that feeling of love is going to evolve and change in ways you've never, you can never conceive. Yeah, I don't think you tell them. So, you know what I mean? What do you do? I don't think you tell them. It's too complicated. You just let them stumble through that shit all by themselves. Yeah, maybe you tell them, like, I, I, again, I don't have kids. So this is just, like, what initially seems like a good idea to me. Because, like, if you just lay that out for your, it's not... It, it's not going to mean anything. To I know, you, you that's, know? The, that's the difficulty. Yeah. Uh, so I think that as they're stumbling through it, maybe you offer guidance and things like that. But I'll tell you what I remember as a teenager. I remember all of the girls that were the most high status girls, the most desirable girls. They liked the boys in class that were the bottom of the barrel, as far as I'm concerned. The dummies that happened to be popular or handsome. The, the aggressive kids that had status because they punched other kids' faces in. The kids that don't have any future and you already know it at 15. This kid is not does not have a future. Girls are swooning over those fucking guys. And they don't learn that lesson until they're 30 that those, that those guys aren't the right ones. You know? And I'm not kidding you. In broad strokes, that's the truth. And I want to tell my daughters that you're going to look at that dummy. You're going to look at that meathead dummy. I don't think that your daughters are going to. I think they are. I don't. They're going to look at that meathead dummy with the fucking sly smile and the little dimple and the fucking fashionable shoes, and they're going to be like, this dude is blowing my mind. Nah, dude, I don't they're going to be, a ch- And I have to tell them, look, I want to be able to tell them that that guy is going to be, have a p- appeal to you that you won't understand, and and these are the things you should be looking for. You, sh- you should be looking for somebody who's responsible. Somebody who's nice to people in public when they when nobody's looking, people who 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 uh, you know volunteer and uh, and and shoulder nice shoulder burdens. Yeah, those are the guys that are going to have the qualities that are going to be good in the long run. Yeah, I don't I don't think that you're going to have to worry about that. I don't think that that is something that you're going to have to tell them. Mm-hmm. I think that that is something that you will show them by treating their mother that way. Yeah. Um. You know, you say that, man, but I think about this dude. I don't even remember his name, but I remember my sister. I have a twin sister for the people in the audience who don't know. So we grew up, we were in the same grade. We, we had all the same friends. And I, I had a class with her one time. And one of the dudes in the class, like I'm describing, a dummy, 
with no future. And, I, you know, he's not a Facebook friend of mine. I don't know what turned out, what, how he turned out, but I'm guessing 100% that dude didn't turn out well. And I remember my sister, my sister swooning over him and thinking to myself, you don't even know this dude. He's a, he's a schmuck and a half. He's a schmuck burger deluxe with peanut butter cups. And, uh, and it was my own sister. Then I'm, then I'm sort of in that moment, I have to ask myself, what kind of example was my father? And then I'm like, well, maybe that, maybe, maybe that's understandable then. I'm not saying that my dad wasn't a, wasn't a great example, but not throwing your dad under the bus now. But you know, we all live a life where you know it's a process to get where you are now, and you make mistakes along. The, I've made a f- fucking bunch of them. Yep. So you know, when did you start learning from those mistakes? I don't know. When I was like 30, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that uh, I think that I think that your daughters have good examples, and I think that they're going to be better off. Than uh, a lot of the girls that you saw swooning over mm-hmm. the the bottom of the barrel, as you put it. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I think that that would be my guess. That's my instinct. So there's this thing that comes in my mind about evolution. Like there are reasons why those women women are attracted to guys like that because because they're usually tough guys. They're usually they usually have good genes. They're handsome. Mm-hmm. They're big. They're muscular. Right. So th- those guys are going to be good breeding stock. And if you didn't give it a second thought if you just let your body decide it's kind of the right answer you know women are kind of obeying the 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 proper laws of evolution they're gravitating towards the guys whose genes are going to give their children strength the guys who are going to be able to potentially protect them from threats those are fucking meathead dummies with you know that's what it is i i think that a problem that we have is that we just write those guys off as meathead dummies. They can be better. Like those, I mean, I, I really believe that those kind of guys are supposed to be like the leaders, you know? Like they're the people that for some reason people just look up to, yeah. you, you know? Uh, you think about the captain of the football team, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? There's just something. There's just like an it factor that like, it's like, okay, this is the this is the dude. This is the leader, of, you know? Um, what do you, but don't you think that it factor that we can't, we can really can't put our finger on boils down to those genetic cues handsome symmetrical muscular toned um we talked about uh i think a a few episodes ago we were talking about how um you know people have theories for why uh like like why we're attracted to breasts and you know it's Mm -hmm. like evolution and things like that and i'm just like i don't know how much stock i put into that kind of stuff anymore like it seems like an obvious solution but i just don't know uh that that is all that there is to it um but yeah i mean i think that that you know as far as like the, the the scientific theory, yeah, I think that that's all right. The it's yeah. all the genes, it's all the. So I, I agree with you that it's. I can't say that that's entirely the explanation, but what what holds a lot of weight to me is the idea. You know, people say the the like the captain of the football team type guy. People say the guys want to be him and the girls want to be with him. Yeah, that's what that's a little phrase that we use, and I think that's something like all of the men in the tribe recognizing. Oh, that guy, he's he's got the best genes. Like, this guy, we're going to raise up to the top. We're all going to admire him, even the guys. And so if you're going to sleep with anybody, ladies, that's the one you want. But if, if you can't have him, maybe you can have me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's like we're voting. Even the guys are voting for who who gets to be at the top of the hierarchy, who gets to be the ideal. Which one of us are we going to put at the top? 
Yeah. How do we make that decision? Usually it's because they're handsome and athletic and, you know what I mean? That's the kind of shit where that all seems to be survival related to me. Yeah, see, I don't... I get. I mean, I guess I agree with you um, that that seems like again, as far as like scientific theory, the the obvious reason for it. But I don't know. I'm less interested in the reasons why it is there, and more interested in like how it affects our lives. You know what I mean? Uh, like, I'm less interested in what makes us a part of the. What makes us like forced to take part in the hierarchy and more interested in how the hierarchy orders the world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's more interesting to me. I just don't really think about the why mm. that much. <clears throat> if I see the order, I immediately wonder the why. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Then there's this then there's this uh like paradoxical thing where the people that are at the top of the hierarchy, like the most beautiful girl, the most handsome fella, you know, the guys, the, the prom king and queen that get up to on the top of the hierarchy, that um, things come easier to them. And then it's like, if those people are naturally supposed to be the leaders or the ones that are positioned to, to have everyone's admiration, they're best positioned to be the leaders, and then we instinctively rob them of the ability to develop character by making everything easy on them, that's weird, you know? That is weird. And and I often wonder, like, what it must be like to be a beautiful woman who's 40 or 45. It's like, when you if you've been a beautiful woman your whole life, it's got to be particularly hard if you're, like, an early bloomer. You know, if, like, by the time you're 20, that's as good as it's going to get for you. Because uh, you, when you're young, you kind of, I would imagine you expect it will last forever. You know, like, if I'm getting favorable treatment because I'm the most beautiful girl in the town... You kind of feel like that's going to last forever. You, you know, you, you're naive. You don't have the foresight to understand it's going to wane and maybe even abruptly go away. And then how difficult must it be if you were always getting smiles and doors held open for you, if you never had to pay for a drink at the bar, if everybody's always been overly nice to you, and then suddenly you lose that appeal and nobody even looks at you anymore. It's like nobody even, the people, you get ignored everywhere all the time. Like that must be devastating for for beautiful ladies you know to run into that yeah it's definitely a big shift in uh you know the the way that the world works for you that's for sure yeah it's a warning that you shouldn't put so much value on your looks even though for a long period of your life it may be a very useful tool you know yeah I think that some people could put more value into their looks too, you know? It's like I see, yeah. I see some people and, you know, I'm overweight. That So I, I'm not like, you know, I, I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. But I, I do see people who are like in their 20s, 30s, and they're like fat, you know, yeah. like big. Yeah. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, th- this, is the, this is the best time of your life, you know? And you're ruining it. You know, and, yep. you, and and you could fix it, but it's going to be hard and it's going to take a lot longer to fix it, you know, True. than it did to get that way. True. Although some people, it seems like it's a lifetime of getting that way, but, you know, it's still, it's going to be work. You know, it's not like you're going to be able to snap your fingers and be mm. having the time of your life. You know, it's going to take a lot of time and dedication and work and Absolutely. it, depending on how big you are, potentially surgeries afterwards yep. and 
know. Yeah, and then, and then and you look at uh, you look at how society even even how it's changed from when we were kids to today, the whole fat shaming thing and the uh, shame the fatties, and, man. Yeah, well that Make that them feel bad. <laughs> that's a new that's a relatively new idea, and and it never existed before, you know. And and uh, social pressure is designed for is designed to for the the greater good, really, all things considered. If if you get ridiculed for being the fat, fat, fatty with the cupcakes in each hand, enough, and all of a sudden you're losing out on sexual opportunities, maybe you're losing out on job opportunities, you're losing out on respect from, from your from your peers. Also, you're going to die. Also, you're going to die. <laughs> so then, then that social pressure will lead you to to take a hard look at yourself, start making sacrifices, and and, you know, get healthy. And that's for the greater good. Yeah. And we both know that's true because we've both been there. Yeah. We've both been much fatter than we are. And we've I'm both... so glad that I grew up when I did. I feel like we just missed the mark, man, for maybe being brainwashed and to be like, no, it's, you know, you're being mean to me, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so now we're just uh, supposed to accept that. We're not supposed to give people any social pressure to become physically healthy. And we're giving them every excuse in the book. It's genes. There's nothing you can do about it. Fat is beautiful. You know, what in the fuck are we doing, man? Did you see, I think it was Jordan Peterson and Rogan were talking about um, that the prevailing thing, even from like some scientists and doctors now, is fat is all about genes and um, something else. I can't remember. But it's something that you don't have any control of. Yeah. It's like you can't, I mean, it's nothing you can do if you're, yeah. You're just going to be fat forever, you know? It's just in your genes. Um, yeah. It's a terrible lesson to, to teach people. And it's so... I don't understand it, man, because I was fat, and then I got skinny, and mm. now I'm kind of fatter again. Yeah, yeah. But there was fluctuation, you know? Yeah. So how can... And everybody... Everybody knows somebody who used to be fat and lost a bunch of weight. Like, pretty much everybody knows somebody that that happens yep. to, even if you're not, like, great friends with them or anything. You're like, oh, this guy... I mean, he used to be big, and he dropped a ton of weight. Looks great. Yep. Um, and you're so, proud of him, even a stranger. So how the fuck can these people say that? It's a good question. Imagine if we had a real food shortage, like we're like we're hearing scare tactics about. Imagine if we had a real food shortage in this country, and people were really limited in their calorie intake. You trying to tell me all these fat Americans aren't going to lose weight? A hundred and fifty percent, they will lose weight. Yeah. So I've heard um, an interesting theory about that, that it's never going to come to the point where there is no food on the shelves in grocery stores, mm -hmm. but all of the food that's on grocery stores is going to be like processed shit, cereal, shit that gives you cancer, shit mm. that gives you diabetes. Yep. Like the, you know, they say just shop around the outside aisle of yep. the grocery store. All of that stuff is going to be like outrageously expensive or just not there. Mm. Well, if that ever happens, uh, people should just start growing their own vegetables, yep. uh, keeping their it's own. Easy, yeah. It's not. I mean, you know, it takes work, but it's uh, surprisingly intuitive. I'll put, put them in the light, put some water on them, make sure the deer don't eat them, and you're gonna get some shit. Like it's pretty much that simple a lot of the time. I'll put I'll put General Mills out of business without a second thought, man. Uh, I would, we would be way better off eating eating eggs and and milk you know in the morning than uh breakfast cereal and fucking yep. muffins i just don't even eat breakfast 
Yep. Dinner. Dinner. Well, some, you know, on the weekends I eat breakfast every now and then, but. I had lunch yesterday. I had fucking uh, stuffed mushrooms at the bar with my wife and uh, chicken wings. Yeah. And they were, they were delicious, man. Nice. I've been thinking about um, using one of those online meat ordering services. Okay, yeah. Um, and I've been thinking about using the one Good Rancher. Mm. Um, it's like 179 it? bucks, and you get easily a week's worth of food. So yeah, I'm thinking about doing that. Yeah, I was just thinking about ordering some Omaha steaks. I don't know if you ever had them or if you ever order them. I've had them a long time ago, yeah. but yeah, well, it's kind of expensive, so I don't like to buy them a lot. But the fillets from Omaha Steaks are fucking good, man. They're like better than restaurant quality. When we make them at home, um, I just, I've never, I don't know that I've ever had a better steak at a restaurant, even yeah. at a nice restaurant. I was just at a really nice steakhouse last week, and uh, my it, my wife's Omaha Steaks, she makes it home, were beating the pants off of that overpriced steak from the fancy place. Nice. Beating the pants off of it. Yeah, man. You, uh... If you know how to cook a steak, there's like, I mean, I'm not going to say there's no reason to go out to a steakhouse because sometimes you just don't want to cook, but you can really, you can, that that's like one thing that you can do pretty easily at home is cook a good steak. Yep. You know, it's not a lot to that. It's pretty simple. And the neighbor across the street was just saying the other day that, uh, that the ovens that we have, um, just like normal ovens in people's houses, they don't get hot like the professional ovens yeah. do. So if you want to really sear a steak, you need like 1,500 degrees or something like that, and that you just can't replicate that in a grill or in uh, your, your oven at home. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do a pretty good job, you know? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. But, yeah. I think uh, there is something to that, though. Like, some of the best steaks I've ever had... I think have been cooked in like a really, really hot oven, you know? It gets like a good crust on the outside. Exactly. It, yeah. yeah. It is good. My wife makes a, uh, what are they, little, little, uh, not tuna, are they tuna? Yeah, ahi tuna. Those little, those little like heart-shaped steaks, they come frozen, but they're like ruby, ruby red or like ruby pink, uh, and then sears them, right? Sears them with a little bit of sesame oil, really hot temperature, just for a couple of seconds, man, on both sides, and it's just basically, oh, yeah. it's basically sushimi in the middle, and then you've got a couple of centimeters on the top and bottom with that crust, and it's, oh, god damn, it's so good, man. I love food, man. Oh, food is good. Yes, it is. So you asked me about my books in the office when oh, you got yeah. in? You used to have a bunch more books. I in my in my old house. Do you remember my old house, man? And I had that uh, that room off of the kitchen with the French doors. Yes, it was where I had my like basically my office was my computer. I had bookshelves that went across the entire you know room. Yeah, and there were books. It was filled with books. Um, so when I moved to Cleveland, I brought all those books with me, and I had this giant like I don't even know where I got it. I had this giant really thick like triple layer cardboard <coughs> box that was like the, it was like the quality of a cardboard box that you would get like a home appliance in it was like a it was like a Man. fucking it was a so well it constructed that i was care i was literally dragging like 300 pounds of books around in this thing and uh it was fine the box didn't fall apart i tell you that only because one day i didn't have room for any of my things you know because when i moved from i had a house in columbus when i moved up here i was living in a little apartment you know and I just didn't have room for my things. 
So, and I was poor. So I decided I was going to sell a bunch of those books. And I just dragged them over to half price books threw my back out trying to carry this box really did. I fucked myself up for a while, but I went through them and I kept just the ones that I really wanted to keep. And I sold the rest of them. I sold a shit ton of books. I made, I think I made like 90 bucks off selling used books at half price. I don't know if you've ever tried to sell books at half price. They don't give you shit for them. And you getting, get 90 getting bucks. Getting 90 bucks is like hitting the lottery at half price books. So I just kept a few. Um, and then I've slowly been buying. I've been slowly trying to build that collection back up, which is stupid. I really don't want to have a whole bunch of books, but I wanted to have books that I consider important. I wanted to have or books that I knew I wanted to read. Um, but really mainly, I just like the old books and the way they look. Yeah. So I kept all the antique books just because I, for vanity's sake because I like them. I like yep. the way they look. I, do, I like the way they look too. I, I don't know. I like the idea of having a library in my home, you know? Yes. Someday, you know, maybe that that would be cool. I think there's a combination of uh, combination of like Indiana Jones as an influence when I was a kid. And Beauty and the Beast. Remember the library from Beauty and the Beast? Vaguely. Oh, it was like multiple multiple stories of books. Yeah, I remember. With the, with the ladders, the ladders that yeah, go yeah. on the rail around. And the Beast being a little simp encouraging encouraging women to read. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big roaring fireplace, you know, that kind of thing. So there's a couple of aesthetics like that, that uh, growing up that were influences that make me want uh, just an awesome library. Yeah, S- man. Some kind of animal head on the wall. I don't know. I don't know where the I probably probably from those same things. I just don't you know trying to track where the idea that it would be cool to have a library in my home came from. In in my the ladders is a part of it. You got the ladders, have the ladders. part. Oh oh yeah, yeah for sure. I want to swing around like Bell <laughs> like Bell on the ladders, but also I want I want an area with a giant glass display case full of artifacts. Right, that's going to be in my library. I'm going to have an artifact place where you can look at my artifacts. Yeah. Yep. What kind of artifacts? Like you know, fossils and like. Tesseract. Yeah. Yep. You know, fossils and uh, you know, like uh, I don't know. Clovis points, you know, arrowheads. I don't know some kind of, some kind of, some kind of thing. Some kind of cool statue. Statue, like a statue. Speaking of statues, I heard the other day. You know how. A lot of those European statues of nude men, they all have rather unimpressive pinasia. You say that, but they look just fine to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh, I heard that 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 was done intentionally because if you sculpt a statue and it's got a giant hog on it, it immediately, like, changes the context in which you're viewing that statue. It does. It does, for sure. I don't know if you told me this or if I heard this somewhere else, but um, I know that the ancient Romans associated a big hog with barbarians. So a, a small, Germanic da- dainty, barbarians. dainty, delicate, beautiful little cock. little Roman penis. little Roman, little, little, little with, with, Roman the hood, with the hood pulled up tightly over top and the fucking hoodie strings zipped up tight. That guy, uh, that was a um, cultured penis. That was a... Uh, civilized penis. Yeah. You don't want a, a veiny bastard just dragging along the ground, you know, because they associated that with the barbarians. But then, you, then you think about the, like the the women, like the rich women in Rome that would pay to sleep with the uh, gladiators, or would pay for the sweat of the gladiators. Do you, you know, they would like put mm-hmm. the sweat in jars. Women would 
women would use it like I don't know how what they used it for, but uh, but those were largely those were slaves. Those were barbarians, and the women wanted, especially the ones that were wealthy, they could get away with it. They wanted they wanted to take a look at that big old hog. They they wanted to have spend some time with the gladiators. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a it's a weird world. I guess it's not much weirder than, but you know. I just imagine some, like, millionaire lady, like, paying for LeBron's sweat. You know what I mean? <coughs> yeah. Um, I, th- I just think of modern athletes as the closest thing we have to gladiators, you know? I guess I could have picked, like, a UFC person. That would have made more sense, but... I uh, saw an article. I wish I would have kept it uh, so I could tell you where it's from. But I saw an article, and it was one of those uh, catchy um, clickbait article titles. And I was like, ah... Usually I, I take it like a matter of pride if I see one of those catchy titles that I know is just trying to lure me in, but I scroll past it like, fuck you, I'm above this. But this one day I was like, uh, I touched Biden. it, and this is, what this, this is what the article was. It was a concerned woman writing in to uh, like, uh, get the advice of a psychologist. It was like, a, I don't know what it was, but it was that kind of a deal. And she was, or maybe, maybe not a psychologist, maybe just some kind of medical professional. Uh, but she said that um, she was married, you know, for a long time, like 20 plus years to her husband, perfectly happy with her sex life. But she said that her husband was a little smaller um, on the smaller side and that he was all hung up about it. And that one day he bought uh, like a dildo, but it was a giant hog that he fit his schwanz into, strapped it on himself so that he could give it to her. Right. He. He was so self-conscious about his little guy that he really fantasized about having a big old hog and really giving his wife the business. So she said she was reluctant about this. She was like, you know, he just bought it and brought it home. And she was like, what? And she said it, it was not just big. It was huge. Yeah. And so she was like, well, you know, and this is how she paints it. But I wonder in the back of her head if she was just like, let me give this a try. But she said, uh, she said that she reluctantly in order to allow, allow him to have this fantasy, allowed him to use this thing. And she said at first she was like, you know, very much not into it. It was painful for her and, you know, but he kept asking about it. He kept wanting to use it. This is how she paints it. So whether that's the case, I don't know. But she was reluctant, and um, but he really seemed to like it, so she went with it. And then after a while, she said um, she started to like it. And then she said... That dude ruined his marriage. That's Dude, this is what I want to get to. Then she said that what, what they would do is in the beginning, he would strap on the big old hog. He would, he would do his thing to her uh, until he thought she was sufficiently satisfied. Then he would take off his, his giant rubber cock and he would, and he would finish, finish, the, uh, the, you know, finish the act. Well, then she says after a little while when he would take off the rubber hog and finish it, like she couldn't even feel it at all so so she was asking for advice like is this wrong is this bad should should, have i made a mistake should you know whatever i'm sorry what was this on i got it was an article it was an an article article. yeah okay that's right and the advice that she gets from the person who wrote this article like i couldn't even finish reading it worst advice ever I couldn't even finish reading it because it was so bad. Yeah, she was just like, "Yes, you did. You did. You did exactly what you should have done. This is, you know, healthy and blah 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 blah." Yeah, it's healthy to just completely ruin your husband's like uh, um, confidence and you know, like that situation is like one step away from you know, like, like 
I don't know, watching your wife get gangbanged. You know what I'm saying? 100%, yeah. Um, yeah, not good. Like, if this guy was all hung up about the size of his schwanz, now he's now all of his fears are come true. Yeah, yeah. All of his fears are true now. What's totally fucked up is that she, in the beginning of it, she said that she was satisfied with her sex life and that uh, it wasn't a problem for her at all. Uh, so you need to... Like, I I do, from that story, I do believe that she wanted to help her husband, you know? She wanted to give him what he wanted, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, The way that you should have helped your husband is to figure out what the hang-up is and make him understand that he's good enough, that he's fine, that Mm -hmm. he doesn't need this 18-inch fake penis, you know? yep. Um, And they made the wrong decision, and I, I bet you those people are divorced, or I bet you, you know... You know, she cheats on him all the time. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, that's 100% on board. Those were all my intuitions when I was reading that. I was thinking, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. All around, you know, something else was needed here. This was, the, this was a fucking mistake. You went down the wrong road. <clears throat> and there is no way that this woman hasn't permanently fucked her relationship. Yeah. Well, he, him too. He, he's, him too. He's responsible. Yeah. He, oh, absolutely. His yeah. his uh, insecurities are are you know equal equally responsible. I don't. I'm not trying to push this all on her. Oh yeah, I know. I, I'm just the, I, the yeah, fact I'm just that she had there. reservations about it. She should have listened to her fucking instincts. But then she goes to to a public stranger to a to a sex therapist or whatever um, to ask whether she's done the right thing, and the therapist tells her she has done the right thing. Gotta love that. I mean, that's just like, uh, where did that woman who gave that opinion, where did she get those opinions? Probably from college. You know, she probably went to college, learned to be a sex therapist or whatever the fuck. And that's just what they teach you, you know? Yeah. Um, and where do those ideas get to the colleges from? I mean, it's like, I just, the, the, the level to which they are trying to steer our culture towards that sort of thing is like just obvious. Like it's everywhere, you know? They don't want happy, prosperous, fruitful relationships between men and women. Mm. They want that. They mm. want um, just complete uh, degeneracy is the word that is coming to my mind, but it's not really what I mean. Like depravity, you know, mm. just complete, um, I don't know. It's. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like you, you take something that has the potential to be extremely beautiful and extremely fulfilling, and you turn it on its head to make it um, to make it a parody of itself. It is inverted, it's- and then you hold that up like it's the ideal. <clears throat> so while we're on the subject, there was an article I saw this morning, and I'm glad that we started talking about this because I remembered it. That I didn't click on. Oh damn! I thought it was going to be. Now I'm going to have to find it. It was a Cosmo article. Was it over here? Cosmo Kramer. So I don't know how you feel about Cosmo, but I remember the girls... My favorite character in Seinfeld. <laughs> I remember the girls in school always reading it. Do you remember? Yeah. Here it is. Here it is. I remember the girls always reading it, and I remember thinking that the quizzes and the advice that, that were in Cosmo were always terrible. Yeah. As far as I was concerned, I was always turning my nose up at, at it, and girls seemed to love it. So here's an online article from Cosmo that says... Listen to this. This is the clickbait title. How not to be the most awkward person at a sex party. So before we... I'm going to read this because I haven't read it yet. I want to. But let's talk about that for a second. 
this is an article title that uh, that is uh, Cosmo is is classically a magazine popular among teenage girls and early twenties women, and and one of the articles here, the one that they're putting on, you know, front you know the front and center homepage of the top news, how not to be the most awkward person at a sex party, and go. I don't know, man. It's just like uh, that kind of stuff is the type of stuff that if in America we were to have some right-wing lashback, that kind of stuff is... uh, It's going to be hard for me not to root for it on some level Mm. because that kind of stuff needs to be wiped out of public discourse, acceptable public discourse. That's how I feel. And... um, Let's find out. How not to be the most awkward person at a sex party. I want, I want to first of all tell you that the image on here is this woman with just beautiful hair. She but, beautiful she's, hair. but she's draped uh, upside down as though she's getting railed on the couch. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. It says, maybe you're a lucky newbie who's already scored a coveted spot on the list of your choice. Or maybe you're pretty sure your invite is in the mail and you're feeling some anxiety. Or, hey, maybe you're just curious and you have a few questions about what really goes down at a sex party. All right, let's, let's see what it says here. Let me see if I can fast forward. Do your homework. Bring someone. Okay, here we go. So do your homework is the first one. Study the event website and socials to get a sense of what you'll be, working, what you'll be walking into. You can even reach out to a for, former attendees for the full scope. Everything from the dress code to the timeline of the evening. There may be some scheduled mingling before the actual sex part. You may want to make sure you review any event-specific guidelines. Pro tips? Most parties enforce a strict no-phones policy, so be prepared to check yours at the door. I'm so frustrated by this, dude. <laughs> like, I've got... Go ahead. So apparently you can do research. Um, they're going to post... The, they're going to post the sex party invitations online for public availability, but you want to do your research. Maybe you can get some references first about people that have attended the party before. What the fuck? Bring someone. This is tip number two. You know how walking into a regular party is a lot less angsty when you go with a friend? Same goes for sex parties. Whether you bring a romantic partner or a pal, having someone in your corner can help mitigate the awkwardness that may come with unfamiliar territory and make it easier to mingle. And by by mingle, she means to go down on a stranger. Yeah. This is a... The fact that this is in, like, such a... I don't know how much people re- are reading Cosmo anymore. You know, well, maybe the articles and shit are still I'm reading getting, it. You are reading it. It's true. Um, but, yeah, it's it's frustrating, like I said before, that this is just this is just fine. Fine information to put out. But if I wrote an article called Don't Be a Blown-Out Slut, that would probably not go over well. No, probably not. But if you gave it a more progressive title... You, don't don't you, be a blown out slut. Yeah. It's not progressive enough. <laughs> All right, so I'm not going to read these two, but preset your boundaries and respect others' boundaries. Preset your boundaries is a good one. And your boundary should have been at the door to that fucking club. <laughs> it says, don't assume that you have to have sex or that it's weird if you don't. Either way, make sure you're super clear about what you want. Are you open to threesomes? Oral sex only? If you're going to... If you're going with a partner, are you both planning on having sex with others? What about kissing? Will you play together or separately? Be honest about your boundaries. 
It's disgusting. This one, this one seems interesting. Tweak your small talk. I'm intrigued. Tweak your small talk. Privacy is paramount for some party goers, which means your go-to social icebreakers like, so what do you do for work? Might be out. Luckily, you have one major thing in common with every person in the room. You're trying to get fucked. You're all at the same party, so take advantage. Take advantage. That seems like a weird thing to say from, from such a progressive article. Um, Zane recommends paying someone a non-sexual compliment and then asking what brought them to the event. Have they been there before? Come on, man. What brings you to the event? <laughs> and then the last, the last advice is chill out and enjoy. Um, They're just places for sex-positive people to meet, mingle, and yeah, maybe hook up in public. Sex positivity is... So I feel the same way about sex positivity as I do about like fat positivity, you know? Yeah, what does that mean? What is, is sex positivity supposed to mean that it's okay to be promiscuous? That it's well, not even okay, that it's somehow like a, like a valuable quality? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of it is like don't beat yourself up about it, you know? Like don't... Um, you know, people who call you don't beat yourself up about it. <laughs> people who are people who call you, you know, loose or you know, immoral or whatever. Those people are wrong. You know, don't internalize that. Um, and you know, it's like you're, you're you're saying that society, whose job is to criticize you for doing antisocial behavior, is wrong, and that society's wrong. And you're saying if you if you have any conscience, uh, if your conscience is is uh, you know, uh, telling you that there's something amiss here. If your own Jiminy Cricket is saying, hey, something's wrong here, you should ignore that. That's what sex positivity is about. I guess so. Ignore your conscience and society's rules. Some postmodern-ass shit, Kyle. Why do they want people to be promiscuous? It's a great question. Well, in in China... Dude, that's a whole thing, man. In China, because of their policies, you know, over the last 40 years or whatever, they've got uh, way more boys than girls. They don't have enough girls to go around. It's like one girl to every, like, dozen boys or something crazy. Um, in, a, in a society like that, does promiscuity among women become valuable? I think that they're... You know how a bunch of people are, like, really worried about China? They're like, oh, China's going to be... I don't... I'm not that worried about China. I think that they got a whole basket full of problems that over the next, you know, few decades are going to be a problem for China. I think you're right. Um, Yeah. I'm just... So, I don't know. Maybe they get to a point where it's like all the women have, like, six husbands... Yeah. Which is fucking weird. That's not the way that it normally goes down, no. you know? No, 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 uh, What not... I think is more likely is that things do go back to the way they've always been where, you know, if there's like some kind of resource shortage, you have all these men with just a handful of women and you end up having like dudes with multiple wives and it makes it even worse for the, the um, huge amount of people, yeah. you know? Yeah, so we, in this case, we would have wives with multiple husbands. Can you imagine if we had some kind of feminist version of Mormonism taken taken over in uh, communist China? Yeah. Where just the women have a whole gaggle, a whole harem of husbands? Yeah, that's crazy. It's like a dystopian novel. You know, there are, like, tribal societies that have, um, they have a, 
kind of similar uh, rituals. Like, I can't remember what tribe this is. Um, I saw it on a documentary. If it was Africa or South America, I think it was Africa. What, what the custom is <laughs> that when a that when a child, when a female child in a tribe, it becomes sexually mature, the father will build a tent for her. A, a, I don't know if it's a tent, whatever the dwelling is that they use outside of the family hut or tent or whatever. I don't know what the hell, what you call it. The, um, but the, the father will build a tent for specifically for her and she can sleep out there away from the family whenever she wants. And what happens is at night, the men from the, from the community, um, she'll, she'll invite them to her tent. And that way she can have sex uh, promiscuously without anybody knowing. It happens at night. It happens away from the family. It's designed f- to get her pregnant. But here's the kicker. She then raises the, the child in the community, and nobody knows who the father is. And the reason that they do that is because then all of the men in the tribe take responsibility as though it's all of the men's child. Because it's a member of the tribe. So the family gets a whole lot bigger. And I just wonder if some, if some shit like that will be necessary in China. In order, because, it, because in the animal kingdom, anyway, and you can see this with step-parents all the time, if you're raising a kid that's not yours, you don't have the you don't have the investment in them. In yeah. fact, you're kind of rooting against them, you know. And so it's, especially if you have your own biological children, we've all heard that story before. It's like the Pharaoh, right? The Pharaoh can't have any kids with, uh, or uh, what, what was it, Abraham or something, can't have any kids with with his 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 wife. Mm-hmm. So he starts fucking, you know, Hagar, and then has and then. And then after he has kids with Hagar, he has one with Sarah, and it's like, oh shit! Now we've got a legitimate child. And, you know what I mean? Those are the kind of, of problems that you will avoid by the strategy. I just think that's kind of interesting. It's like a a way of keeping a way of keeping the the men in the community from not knowing it's their biological material, so they will treat every child as though it's their own child, because it could be. And the more promiscuous the women are, the more that goes over because it really could be. It it could be, but it also. What if you're like one of the guys who didn't get invited? You know what I mean. You know oh, it's not at that point. Yeah. <coughs> so you gotta you kind of have just, to invite them all, don't you? Yeah, th- that makes me feel not good about the whole situation. This bitch has to run through every dude in the town. Yeah, that's that's weird. Yeah, I'm not, not a fan. Because you'd be super bitter if you were the only guy that got left out of that scenario. Yeah, you'd also be super bitter if one of the dudes gave you gonorrhea and the, the whole town's got gonorrhea. Yeah. I yep. mean, you know, and they have worse things than gonorrhea over in Africa, if that's where it was. So. I think it was. <coughs> Monkey pox mm. and AIDS. The whole kit and caboodle. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um... I don't know. I feel like there was something else I was going to say about that, mm. but I don't know what it is. We're talking about China and the problems they have. Can you imagine if what's happening in China right now, which is kind of happening everywhere in the developed world, people are having less kids, population numbers are declining, they're not as um, – the, the projections are not good. It's part of, the, part of the reason we're having such trouble with Social Security as an example. But can you imagine that if the population starts to dwindle in China specifically because there's not as many children being born, um, what you're going to end up with eventually are huge communities that they've invested all this money building <coughs> that are empty. Nobody lives in them anymore. 
and factories, all these factories that they've built without any workers. You're just going to end up with this like Chernobyl-style ruin of development that goes completely unused. That I just imagining this hellscape of just, you know, concrete buildings falling apart and the and the forest reclaiming, you know, what you know what I mean? Like that's the kind of picture I see. Yeah. And it could happen here too. Yeah. Like I am legend. Like I am legend, yeah. yeah. And maybe the only solution to that problem is uh, immigration. And that's going to be way harder for China than for us because we're already a melting pot. We, we're already a melting pot. China is so uh, uniform, you know? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine just them being having no choice but to bring in people from elsewhere and then trying to get them on board with communism, you know? They're not communists over there. <laughs> God. They're not. They're, I mean, there's a <clears throat> lot of... It, Okay, get on board with totalitarianism and central and central planning. Pretty much everyone's already on board with that shit, anyways. <coughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. people here, we're begging for it. Yeah. So. <coughs> well, we aren't, but most most of the people are. I don't know. I feel like I could go for a little totalitarianism sometimes. <laughs> oh God! Just to be perfectly frank with you, um, I see the downfalls. You know, I see the the risk, but sometimes, man. I look at everything that's going on, and I'm just like, if I could, I would, you know? So Plato <coughs> Plato talked all about this, and he said that the, that the ideal form of government is the philosopher king. So in, in, even in Plato's mind, the ideal form of government is a dictator. However, he has to be a philosopher. And what, what, what Plato meant by that was somebody who would be wise— so somebody who's making the right decisions, but also somebody who um, some, somebody who knows best for, for everyone else. And we all, all the leaders say that or think that, but somebody who actually does, actually does know best. Um, the problem with that sort of leader is if you, if you make changes – that really are for the best interest of everybody, and you're wise enough to really be able to make those choices, which is impossible. But if you were, and things don't immediately show proof of being valid, you know, like I'm going to ch- make these policy changes, it, you know, th- the moment it takes a month or a quarter or a year or a decade to make those changes actually, uh, uh, you know, work, the people <coughs> will revolt in the, in the meantime. Like, you know, the, the philosopher king would never be able, he would never make it. He would be, he would be thrown out. He would be hanged. He would be, you know, um, impeached. He would never be allowed to make the changes that are necessary. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I, monarchies and things like that existed for a long time, you know, and they lasted for a long time, you know. They did. And they certainly weren't philosopher kings. Certainly know? not. They were just rich kids. Yeah, and they were just rich kids, and some of them were like complete fuck ups and did a terrible job, but some of them were like really good too. It's true. Know? Like Alexander the Great, hard to ask for a better leader than that. Yeah. You know, I, Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, dude. Yeah, there's some. So you can get you get one of those guys, and you're. Uh... But for every Marcus Aurelius, you have six Neros. You know. Yeah. Nero. Did you hear? Did you hear Donald Trump? I didn't see what speech this was. I didn't see the speech, but I heard a clip 
of him talking about um, shit. Now, what was he talking about? It was something. It was something. It might have been like I don't know if if he announced he was running or if it's just part of like he did, he, announce, he he's did announce that he's yeah. running. Okay, or if it was just part of like the like the rollout of that. Um, but he was talking about oh what he would do um, immediately upon reelection, and he was talking about uh, immediately outlawing you know like uh, gender reassignment surgery for kids and like uh, he was basically preaching to the choir. You know, it wasn't that Donald Trump that I expected to hear. It wasn't the um, the platform that I expected to hear. And maybe it's a bandwagon thing. Maybe he sees that the, the tide is turning, that there's um, resistance from his... Well, I think he, he sees what's going on at, down in Florida with DeSantis and things like that don't say gay. Well, you know, that's not really what it's called, but yeah. that kind of thing. I think uh, he is concerned about how well DeSantis is polling, so he's trying to move into that lane a little oh, bit, I see. things like that. Yeah. Well, I just bring it up only because it was a little bit of a surprise to hear him uh, choose those topics, but I was just nodding my head. Like, yep, yep, yeah. that's what we need. Yep. Like, we need more of this during the during the uh, the debates. We need to hear more of this. Yeah, I agree with that. I also, the fact that, that Trump is still selling the vaccine, just if, they, if he's still doing that shit come election time, man. Is uh, he? Yeah, man, he's still talking about how it's a good idea and shit like that, and I just can't abide by that. No, no, I saw uh, another article today. You remember how we talked about some uh, a while ago about some scientists saying that uh, women were having um, disruptions to their menstrual cycle, and some women were going into menopause early, and these were all vaccinated women, and mm-hmm. they were wondering whether the vaccine was messing with it. I saw another article today that was talking about exactly that, saying that. Uh, that uh, women are having irregular menstrual cycles, and it was it was actually a, a, an interview that uh, uh, Project Veritas did with uh, undercover with Pfizer, and this was the second. Um, there was a, there was one that came out before this that was equally damning, but uh, the Pfizer people were talking about that they know that there are irregularities with women's menstrual cycles. They don't know why, and they are. The guy said he was concerned or worried that um, the mRNA. Uh, stuff sticks around in the body and cause is is we'll find out in the future it's causing these hormonal problems that uh, or disturbances that we didn't expect and we have no idea what that means. It's fucked up, man. The entire all of it. Like I almost feel like not only can Trump not be pushing the vaccine anymore, but I almost want, like, uh, an apology. Like, I was wrong. I should not have done this. But that's never going to happen. Yeah, not from him, certainly. Um, not from any Not from anybody, yeah. yeah I, I mean, from, from, like, good, decent people, maybe. But um, that reminds me of Scott Adams. Yeah. You've been seeing his vaccine shit? Yeah, a little bit. What are you, what are you just, honing in on? I mean, you know, we've got some love for... Uh, for Scott Adams here, we covered a, a podcast or a book of his on a podcast, and it was like a high listen to episode yeah. because he retweeted it. God's debris. Yep. Um, so you know we got some love for Scott, but Scott was dead wrong about the vaccines from the jump. Is he supportive in the beginning. Mm-hmm. He was okay. like, "You should get it." Yeah. You know, he got it um, dead wrong. And then once it became apparent that he was wrong, he started doing this thing where he was like, well, it was a toss-up back then, you know? Like, some people went this way, some people went that way, and they got lucky. It's like, no, motherfucker, I did not get lucky. I knew that this was bullshit and that this was um, 
Yeah, you know, I can't say that before it happened that I knew that it was going to be increasing levels of myocarditis and causing problems with women's reproduction, yeah. but I did know that I should not get something that is completely untested injected into my arms, something that is going to alter my DNA. I knew from the jump that that was not a good idea. That was not good luck. That was not... Um, so I, I just like... In my mind, he's got some cognitive dissonance going on because he knows that he made a bad decision. Yeah, uh, so I, I can assume, I, I can see that kind of post hoc rationalization. I will play de the devil's advocate a little bit just to suggest that back then, we didn't know that the vaccine wasn't going to be what it was promised to be. We didn't know. Didn't it know. could have been. Could have been. And if it was, then he would have been the lucky one. And you know what I mean? He would have been right. So I think that it being lucky is not a, not a completely incorrect characterization. I do. I, I, I'm not on board with that characterization at all because it, it wasn't luck. It yeah. was, um, I don't so, know. You know. You know how like... Um, An understanding of history. Yeah. You know how people like Jordan Peterson will talk about personality types in politics and they'll say that uh, people who are risk averse are just conservative people. Generally, if you're risk adverse, you're conservative. If you are less risk averse, you're generally more liberal. And don't you think that, don't you think we could have anticipated the people who are weighing the risks more heavily, the conservatives, are the ones that aren't going to take it? And the ones that are like, risk schmisk, you know, let's, let's turn into Spider-Man. That those people, those people would, would it be largely liberals, you know? Yeah. It's like fucking, just on the basis of personality, you know this is what you would expect to see, you know? True. Tell us your uh, Owen Benjamin story. Okay, so a few, it's probably over a week ago at this point, uh, I follow Owen Benjamin on Telegram, and, uh, you know, he tweets, or tweets, uh, he, he sends out posts that uh, have to do with the streams that he does, like videos that he watches on the streams he puts on there so people can watch them who are just listening, things like that. You know, he announces what time the streams are going to be that day, uh, and just like, just basically uses it like Twitter or Instagram, you know, because uh, actually he is on Instagram, but he's banned off of pretty much everything. Uh, so he uses Telegram, and I get a message from him one day, just a random message. Um, and, you know, I don't really think that that's weird because I've, I've talked to quite a few people online that Hold I... On, do, just pause for a second. Do we want to tell the audience a little bit about Owen Benjamin, about, about him? I mean, I've talked about Owen a bunch, but I mean, we can't. What do you want to know specifically? Like what? Do you, like what his deal is? What's he? What's he talking about? What's he into? He, he was he? He was on Rogan three times. Three, oh yeah, he was on Rogan three so, different times. I don't remember specifically. Owen Benjamin used to be um, a stand-up, you know, uh, a, a real like a national touring, high-level stand-up comedian. Okay. Um, had multiple specials, uh, was on Rogan, was on some TV show. I always want to say Sanford and Son, but I feel like that's old. <laughs> it is old, yeah. But, it, yeah, he used to be on some kind of a sitcom. He was in Adam Sandler movies. Uh, you know, Vince Vaughn used to have that Wild West comedy tour, mm. uh, and Owen was the headliner of okay. that. Okay, So he's like a, he was a legit celebrity. He was repped by, you know, big agencies, had big managers. Uh, I mean, you do Rogan three times, that's, that's big. Oh, huge. You know? uh, so... Was he blackballed before Rogan or during Rogan? The last appearance on Rogan was right around when he was getting kicked out. Okay. Um, and the reason 
that you know that he got ran out of you know the spotlight is because he started saying things that were right wing. You know, people back then people were calling him alt right because that was the thing that yeah. people said. Yeah. Um, and the thing that he like really had the shit hit the fan for him was some Hollywood producer was tweeting out about how he had a son who was transitioning, a young child oh, transitioning. No. And years ago, like five, six years ago, Owen calls this out and is like, this is fucked, you know? And got dropped from everything, oh, dropped shit. by his agencies. Uh, you know, comedy clubs wouldn't let him work there anymore. Unbelievable. Got kicked off of YouTube, got kicked off of... Um, you know, Twitter, all that stuff. Um, and basically, he's like one of the most banned people. Like, it's Alex Jones and Owen, basically. Wow. Um, and has, in spite of all of that, built, you know, a, 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 an online community and, like, a community in real life, too, that he, he's got a, a, a decent-sized following in spite of all of that. Um, so... And what the kind of stuff that he talks about, I mean, it's a lot of like conspiracy type stuff, um, but from an interesting angle, um, Owen, like if you've heard a conspiracy theory, Owen might touch on it, but it's not going to be, he's going to have like a a different opinion on it somehow. Um, And, you know, he talks a lot about like homesteading, like stop being dependent. You know, Uh, there's all these, all all these negative things around you, but you have to accept them. You know, you have to sign the contract. You have, mm-hmm. and if you don't do that, then you're good. You gotcha. know, like that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so he talks a lot about that kind of stuff. Um, anything else? No, I think that's a pretty good. Just to make sure everyone knows, like, who this guy is and why. Why the, the fact that you're getting. Oh, he's very. Uh, you know, I said he's banned off of everything. He's he's like intentionally. Um, you know, I don't know, controvert. He says, look, if you don't listen to crazy shit, I, I guess, if you listen to Owen, you're going to, you, your socks are going to be blown. Okay. You know, right. he says some crazy shit. Not afraid to say some crazy shit. Exactly. Um, so the, all of that said, um, the other day, I, you know, I, I follow him on Telegram. He posts things. I'll comment on them. I'll like talk to other people who are commenting, you know? Yep. Uh, so he says, hey, I, in this message that I randomly get from him, hey, I noticed uh, that you're active in my community. Thanks. You know, how's it? How, how do you like it so far? So I, I wish I would have saved it. I deleted all this because we'll get we'll get to a, um, it towards the end of the story. Um, you know, I, I just give some generic answer like, yeah, you know, I, I love it. Thanks for putting it together. You know, it's it's awesome. It's like exactly the stuff that I want to be doing. You know, is the stuff that this community is doing. Nice. So um, I give that response and he says something to the effect of, what are your thoughts and your preparations for the upcoming um, Great Awakening event and financial system crash? Um, Which is completely in line with something that Owen would be talking about, you know? Um, So, you know, I again... when he asked me that, I assumed that he just means the fact that we're a bajillion dollars in debt and the, you know, inflation is through the roof. And yep. and it, it seems to be apparent that things are not going well. So that's what I think he means. 
So I just give another just kind of generic response. You know, I'm not as prepared as I would like to be, but, you know, I've got like a tight-knit family, blah, blah, blah. Um, and this is where it starts to get weird. And any all the red flags that you guys are going to see during this, I'm seeing too, and it's a, like I'm concerned and weirded out. Um, so he tells me that within a month or two, the dollar is going to crash down to basically being worth zero and the banking system is going to collapse too uh, because they don't like people are going to there's going to be a run on the banks for money and they don't have it for people mm. um, which again all of that stuff doesn't the, the fact that he's calling out it's going to happen in one to two months um, mm. that's like that's a little weird you know like how do you know that yep. um, but Aside from that, I'm like, that all sounds, I mean, none of that sounds implausible to me. That all, looking at the way things are going, that seems, you know, not un- implausible. Yep. So, uh, you know, I, I, I forget what exactly I say after that, but basically he's, you know, he's saying you need to get ready because stuff is, stuff is potentially getting bad. Mm. Um, and the thing that he recommends that I do and that anybody who has this tip does is, when the dollar crashes, the Federal Reserve and the American government are going to institute a central bank digital currency, CBDC. And that CBDC that, it, uh, that is going to replace the dollar already exists. It's uh, two of them actually called XLM and XRP. Uh, XLM, I don't know what the actual name for XRP is, or at least I forget it off the top of my head, but XLM is called Stellar Lumens. That's the name of the cryptocurrency. So he says that those are going to replace um, the, the U.S. dollar. And so I look into, you know, I'm like, at, at this point, I'm thinking, I do think that there's a chance that it's not Owen, but it, I like, that was my initial thought once this stuff started happening. And I like examined the hell out of that profile and it, I didn't, I couldn't tell that it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. Um, so then my thought goes to this guy that I really like and, you know, he's a, he's like a volatile, very intelligent person. And a lot of times crazy comes along with that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? A little bit of crazy, but I'm thinking, this guy is maybe a little crazier than I thought, you know? Uh, or, and this is the one that really bums me out, is that this dude that I really like is trying to scam me. He's trying to get me to buy some shit, you know? Um, so, again, all of the red flags that you see, I, I'm. it's not like I'm in on, you know, it's not like I'm convinced of any of this. Um, I think that there's some truth in it, but then I think it's like, uh, uh, how do you know the specifics of this? Right. Uh, and I ask him that. Uh, I look up the XLM, uh, XRP, and I find out that the name of that cryptocurrency is Stellar Lumens. Uh, and that it is designed to be a potential crypt, uh, central bank digital currency. When they were designing it, they had that in mind, mm. uh, which is weird, you know. Yeah. Um, but I guess companies, they have to look to the future and guess trends and things like that. But it just seems sinister, you yeah. know. Um, so I look that up and I ask him, I'm like, do people predicting that there's going to be a financial crash, a recession, a depression, it's barely even, um, a prediction at this point, because it seems like 
the economy's fucked. You know, we're limping along. We've been limping along for a long time. I don't think we ever even fully recovered from 2008, you know? Um, so I'm like, I'm like not impressed that you're calling out that the financial system is going to take a hit. What is weird is that you know that it's going to happen this soon and that it's going to be these particular things. So right. I'm like, how do you know that? And he sends me uh, a series of TikTok videos, which I, I've told you this before, did not bolster my confidence. I was hoping for like articles of some sort, right, you yeah. know, something. Um, but he sends me these TikTok videos and there is int interesting information in them that I like double check to find out if it's true or if it was complete bullshit. And, you know, it is true. Um, one of the videos says that if you look at the national debt clock, like a year ago, the value of silver is like 200 something. The value of a barrel, barrel of oil is $75. And the value of uh, an ounce of gold is like 20,000 something. Mm -hmm. Now on the national debt, debt clock, you can go check this online right now. Uh, it's oil, zero, silver, zero, gold, zero. It's not like our debt is so high that they don't even want to sell you that shit with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I looked that up. That's true. Uh, he pointed to the fact that Saudi Arabia is no longer strictly trading for oil in um, American dollars, which is... From what I hear from a lot of people who are, you know, I, who I think are on top of shit with the economy, that's what our economy is built on is the petrodollar. You know, the mm -hmm. fact that everyone trades for oil in um, U.S. dollars. So that's not good. That that seems bad. And you just, you know, like it, look at all the inflation. Look at, uh, you know, people, all the layoffs that have been going on recently. Uh, it does seem like things are breaking down you know so i take that into consideration but i still i'm like it's weird to me that you know these specifics right. you know so i you know i ask him again about that and he sends me a video and it's of trump and uh, various other world leaders and they're being talked to about you know financial stuff and they all keep using the same the same phrase a level playing field over and over and over again, which that kind of stuff happens. And it is weird. It's like, why are you all like keyed into this same thing? It you is know? weird. Yeah. Um, so in that video, the person who's laying all this out uh, goes to a gamatria calculator. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know, gamatria or gematria, however you say it, is this thing where in some languages, particularly in Hebrew, um, all of the letters in the, the alphabet have a numerical value. And so if you have a word, all of those values add up to the value of that word. And the guy types in a level playing field into that gematria calculator. And one of the results that comes up is XRP gold standard. Um, and it's like, is Trump trying to tell us that XRP is the new, you know, thing and that's going to be backed by gold? Um, so in my, as I'm watching that, I'm like, that's not very convincing. You know, like that is not, uh, that, I, I'm not going to run out and buy this cryptocurrency because of that. Uh, but I do think to myself, oh, that Gematria calculator, that's pretty neat. I think I just want to go type a bunch of things into that and see, see what happens. 
Uh, so I put that in the back of my head. And at this point, I am like, I, I don't know what to think because I have a ton of respect for Owen. Um, and I, I said this to you the other day, I've got as much respect and love for Owen that I can ha possibly have for a person that I've never met in real life, you sure. know? Um, so I'm like bummed out by this. I'm like, like really like, man. And at this point, for some reason, like I said, I examined the profile and I, it didn't seem like there was any way that it was not him, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm like damn, man, this guy that I love is, like, crazy, or he's fucking trying to scam me. Yeah. So, I, you know, at this point, I tr I'm, like, trying to suss out and figure out what it is. Uh, so I just keep talking to him. I'm like, okay, so what, you know, like, what should I do? And he tells me that I should download this app called Trust Wallet, which is a cryptocurrency wallet app, and that he will help me set it up. Again, red flags like yeah. crazy. But at this point, I know that I'm not going to give him any information that is sensitive. I'm smart enough to not like hand out my social security number, you know? Yep. Uh, so he says, download the app, uh, take screenshots, and I'll like illustrate the things that you need to do to set this up. Uh, so I do, you know, I download the app and I send this the first screenshot and like he literally walks me through it like I'm retarded. Oh God. Like, it's like... Uh, dude, I almost wanted to say, like, I'm pretty sure I can figure out how to set this up, you know? Uh, but I don't. I just, like, want to see how, where it goes. Yeah. Uh, we get to the point where you have to create a PIN code to, to log into the app. And I do that. He doesn't ask for the PIN code. So I'm like, maybe, maybe, he's, maybe it's sincere. Maybe he's just crazy, you know? Uh, so I do that. I get, there's more stuff. Then we get to the point where these crypto wallets, the way that they create the account for you, the password is a 12 word, it's like 12 random ass words that they generate. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to write it down, keep it in a place where no one can ever find it. And that's, that you don't log in with an email, you don't have a, a username, it's your pin and the, that password. Um, so we get to the point where I get that and he tells me to send him a screenshot of that. And it says on the screen, don't show this to anyone. So I say, I'm like, dude, it says on the screen not to share this with anyone. And he actually, earlier in our conversation, he said that he specifically said, I'm not looking for your 12 word key. So, I, you know, I say that to him and he's like, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. So I send him the screenshot, but I crop the words out. Doesn't have anything to say about that. You know, you would, I would think that if he was trying to scam me, that he would need access to this crypto wallet mm -hmm. because I don't understand how else it's going to happen. Right. Uh, so I, you know, we get, he's like, all right, so your account set up and he says, so initially there's like Bitcoin, Monero, like random, like more popular cryptos that you can buy. And he says, okay, now go to this and add the Stellar Lumens. And so I do that. And he says, click on Stellar Lumens and then click on buy Stellar Lumens. And the first thing that pops up when you try to buy it is the screen with $150. It's like, you can, you can buy that or you can buy less or you can buy more. And he says, now erase the 150 and put in 1,000, okay? So I'm like, what the fuck, you know? Um, and, you know, he's like, all right, now click click buy. So I click buy. I know I haven't entered any information. I know I'm not actually going to be buying this shit. Yep. I just want to see, like, what he tells me to do next. 
and it take it goes to this screen where it is time to start putting like your information in. Yep. And at that point, I say, "Hey, man, I'm gonna have to figure this out later." You know, like a, like something popped up, and I stop talking to him at that point. He says, uh, "All right, fig- figure it out and get back to me." Something like that, and I you know, like set my phone down and I'm like, what the fuck, man? Uh, I, you know, at this point it's the same thing. It's like either this guy that I really like is crazy or he's trying to rip me off. And it's like, I I almost, I hope that he's crazy, but that's not great either. You know? Um, so I just like put my phone down, make dinner, you know, play, play some red dead redemption to not even really thinking about it anymore, you know? Um, and then later in the night, I, I'm like, oh, that Gematria calculator. That's right. I wanted to look at that. So I go, I search on, you know, whatever, I, I think DuckDuckGo. Um, I don't, no, 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 Brave. That's what I use now. Um, so I search into Brave uh, Gematria calculator, and I, get, I go to the first, you know, the first one on the thing. And it's the one that's from that video, too. So uh, the first thing I do is type in my full name. I'm not going to tell everyone what yeah, my full yeah. name is, but I type it in there. And the way the site works is it calculate, it takes all the letters of your name and it gets the numerical values, it adds them up, and it gives you your numerical value or of what, not your name, but anything you type in there. Um, it gives you the numerical value of it and then there's like a list of other words and phrases that have the same numerical value. And... The first like column of results is Hebrew gematria, and then you scroll down through all of that, and it gets to the English gematria. And I, I I scrolled right over the Hebrew because the initial video that video that I watched the XRP gold standard was in the English, so in my mind I was just like I'm just gonna go down to where that guy was. The very first result, the top result. Stellar lumens. Okay, so that like sent the. Uh, I did not know what the fuck to think about that. Um, just what are the chances of that? You know. So I scroll down through the rest of them, and the last result on the page is trust wallet. So I am like, what the fuck is going on here? Uh, and my. At first, like, my socks were blown off. I was like, what? Is this, like, a sign? What the fuck is going on? Uh, It seemed like something out of a movie. You know what I mean? And I, after I, like, composed myself, I'm thinking, is this, is this, like, some kind of, like, another part of the scam? Like, it's that's a pretty elaborate scam. You know, sure you, you send a guy a TikTok video and you hope that he's going to go to the Gematria site. And, yep. Uh, so I start digging into that. And this is the... So the story resolves. You know, the story comes to a, a resolution. But this is the part of it that I'm still weirded out about. Like, because I looked into it. It is my name and Stellar Lumens and Trust Wallet have the same numerical value. Mm-hmm. It's just a fucking weird coincidence, apparently. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 like, don't know what to think about that. Now I'm like, is he fucking right? You know, like, is the economy about to collapse and these cryptos are going to be the new... Um, so, I again, I don't know what to think. And for, like, two days, I'm just like, what the fuck? 
Is like, is this a sign? And if it's a sign, what the fuck does it mean? You know? Yeah. Is it telling you you better go buy these things, or it's, is it telling you avoid this? Avoid this. Uh, I don't know, man. Mistake. So yeah, I'm just like uh, really weirded out about it. Um, and I'm not, I'm not like talking to oh, this person at all, Owen or whoever this is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't, uh, that, that was the last that I talked to them. Um, but you got no more messages, no more prying from the, well, uh, you okay. Keep going. Yeah. yeah in, a, in a second, you'll understand why. Um, so I'm not talking to him at all anymore. I'm just like trying to figure out what the fuck this gematria thing means. And even in like the thick of it, I don't. So there are a lot of people that, that think that there's like something to gematria in general. I don't. And even like after that, I'm like, I don't necessarily think that this means that all of this is real or that anything you get from this is real, but that's a fucking crazy coincidence. If it's a coincidence, it's weird. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I just like spend a couple of days like, what the fuck? What the, so, uh, we talked about it a little bit. Yeah. So then I, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that was a few days after that. And I decide that I'm going to try something. And I, I go, I go back and I read through the things and certain things start popping out to me that make it seem like this is actually probably not Owen. You know what I mean? Um, one of the big things is that uh, I was like, one of the things I asked was, why are you not talking about this on your streams? Why are you, why are you doing this in my direct messages? Mm-hmm. Which the entire time was like a, a red flag. It's right. like, why, you know, why is this a secret thing? Uh, so uh, his response to that, he called his followers patriots, okay? Owen would never do that. No. Owen actually makes, he's like, uh, he makes fun of Crowder. He's like, Patriots mount up. He's like constantly making fun of that shit. Mm. And that was one of the big ones that I was like, wait a minute. I don't, I don't know how I didn't notice that. Also, another thing that I noticed, uh, and, you know, there could be, if it, if it was Owen, there could be excuses for this, like, you know, um, you're typing fast or whatever. But there's a lot more like typos and things like that in the messages than there are in his posts. Mm. His posts are always perfect. The message is that it's sloppy, you know? Uh, so I start thinking, you know, even though I examined this profile, maybe it's not actually Owen. So what I do is I block the account that I'm getting the messages from, and I go to an account on Twitter that I know is run by his, the guy who produces his podcast. Um, and I say, hey, I've got some guy pretending to be Owen trying to sell me crypto on here um, <clears throat> and he says he responds and he says that that actually happens fairly often oh wow um, and that you just you know just block them and it, it'll probably pop up again you know yeah uh, so I block the person and I if I block that if I block the person that I get those messages from and it was Owen I should not be getting you know updates from that feed anymore and right. I'm still so it definitely wasn't that account uh, so yeah so the, yeah that's crazy it's so it's a super sophisticated version of all of the scams that like we've seen over the you know the last several decades targeting like old people 
you know? So, like, this happened to my dad. I, I might have mentioned it on the podcast. Somebody calls him up with a thick Indian accent, claims to be the IRS, and, uh, yeah, yeah, and just get really forceful. So, and and um, ended up getting my dad's Social Security number. Damn, really? Yeah, he, my dad gave it to the, to the guy. Uh, and they threatened to, like, they threatened to send the sheriffs, that, you know, you're behind on your taxes, the sheriffs are going to be there, that kind of thing. It's targeted, you know, towards old people who are going to make, you know, rash decisions without thinking it through. And that's like a super sophisticated version of that. And, you know, to have gone through everything you'd have to do to cloak the account, to mirror this person, um, that's crazy. The links in the videos, the TikTok videos, that all had to be presumably intentional to bring you to that gematria calculator. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't. So that's the, that's the most interesting part to me, clearly to you as well. Uh, sorry, I just moved my mic, and I want to make sure your uh, camera didn't get... Okay, it's good. So um, the things that stand out to me are um, stellar lumens as an example. Neither of those words are English, right? Stellar lumens means starlight or something like that. And so for them to show up on an, on the English gematria thing, um, it's it's not. I'm sure that you could type in you know Guten Tag Ich bin Kyle, and it's not that it's in German. It's the values of the English letters. Sure. So I I mean the fact that it's not an English word I, I don't. It doesn't seem relevant. It does. It does to me because it, like I said the the number of matches. For them, the numerical value has to be tremendous. Sure. And stellar lumens, especially all as one word, is a copyrighted term for a crypto that didn't exist until in that combination until the crypto used it that way. Sure. For it to show up at all or to show up high on the list seems suspicious to me. I agree too, and I've sussed that out. It's that's a coincidence. I mean, I, I went to multiple other gematria sites mm-hmm. and the value is the same. The English gematria, it's the same for yeah. Stellar Lumens and Trust Wallet. So anybody who would have typed in any word that had the same, um, that would have the same numerical uh, total as your name would have seen Stellar Lumens pop up. Sure. I think that's weird. Especially because it, it seems designed to bring your attention to it. If it's high up on the list, you know. So you think that this person who is trying to scam people as Owen Benjamin into buying cryptocurrencies has such a broad scheme that they also own th- that that Gematria website. Um, that's what I'm saying. I wonder. I don't think so. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, it's like a... That is a... That is a- Sophisticated scam, and they would also have to own all of the other Gematria websites because I checked it on multiple. But you didn't get Stellar Lumens to pop up on any other. Yes, I did. No, no, no. I so the rest of the sites don't operate that way, right? But I checked the value of mine. Yeah, no, I get you there. The value of Stellar Lumens and the value of Trust Wallet, and it's the same across all the Gematria websites. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not discrediting that. I'm. I'm saying the fact that the list showed up with that towards the top is suspicious. Not. Not that. The fact that it matches your numerical value that you typed in is suspicious. That's a, a coincidence, I think. Um, and, and you said you tried typing in other things. You went in from other accounts that were, weren't on your Not IP. Tied. Yeah, exactly. And and you didn't get that result. That's also strange. If it was designed to get you to see Stellar Lumens each and every time, you'd expect that it would show up 
for everyone. So that's strange. I get you. That's that's weird. Um, I don't know, man. That's a weird thing. I don't. The regardless of where it showed up on the page, it, you know, if I had to scroll to the ninety ninth page, which I would not have done, um, but if I had to, I think it's weird that some person is trying to sell me. You know, uh, a particular cryptocurrency on a particular app. Yep. And even, again, even if it's on page 1,702, the fact that my name and those two things have the same numerical value is fucking weird. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Um, what would be weirder is if six months from now, all that shit happens, and stellar lumens become the national, the the fiat currency. Actually, <laughs> I mean, I don't have a hard time believing that. To be honest with you, uh, I mean, I'm not gonna purchase any of it now, uh, but it seems like that sort of thing. I mean, Joe Biden's openly talked about exploring those options. You know, so let's talk about let's talk about digital currency as a fiat currency for a second. What do you perceive as the advantages of uh, having a digital currency over paper money? I don't. I don't really see much benefit at all. I mean, um, I mean, we could say that you're not wasting. Like, first of all, the um, what's the, what do they call it? The um, the national mentor, whatever they call it, but the place where they're making money. What, what, what do they call that? The money making place. Um, Whatever, they're they're not spending. They we aren't as a society spending money on the material and the printing process and the employees and the Q and A and the distribution and we're not wasting the natural resources of the metal and the coins anymore. Like there's some cost savings involved in shutting down, you know, shutting that whole operation down. Mm. And you might even say there's some like environmental advantages because resources are you know not infinite. So there's that. And then there's the idea that we could spend money more efficiently because nobody has to carry money in their wallet anymore. You know, maybe you could even make the case that it's safer because you can't lose money. You can't lose your wallet and, you know, lose money. Um, uh, that kind of thing. Um, maybe even uh, exchange rates. That, that would all be easier because you spend money, electronic money, anywhere in the world. You're not going to have to worry about exchange rates, let's say, if it's... Um, so there's some of those sorts of things that come to mind. Any others? I don't even think that the ones you listed are... Like, we have cash society, you know, a society with cash now, and all of that stuff that you listed, we already pretty much, you know... I, I mean, granted, we've moved towards a society that had... We still have cash, but it's, like, represented through, you know, whatever digital shit that your debit card does, you right. know? Right, yeah. Um, that being said, the cash is still there supposedly um so i don't none of that stuff is convincing enough to make me be like yeah we should move to it um and anything else i don't know i mean i'm sure that it would be a lot more of like the same kind of things just lots of ways where they're telling you that if you use this life is going to be easier um but so let's let's talk about the other side of the coin so assuming those are all of the potential pros of doing this what are the cons the value is completely subjective uh, which is I think probably the biggest one um, 
and also the nature of cryptocurrencies. Uh, you know, they use that blockchain technology, and it's the entire point of it is to keep a ledger of transactions. I don't want the government having a ledger of the things that I buy. I don't care if it's fucking chicken nuggets from McDonald's. Yep. Because I don't, you know, if we get to a point in the future where insurance, you know, it's like, nope, you had McDonald's the other day, your your insurance premium is going to be way higher. You yep. know? Exactly. Fuck no. Exactly. So all of that stuff can go to hell. It, remi- uh, it reminds me of that movie that I bring up and I can never think of the name, uh, Scarlett Johansson and Ewan McGregor, um, The Island. Oh. Do you remember? I, I, it's been a long time. So it's like a... Well, just not not to give it away. There's a scene you can just imagine. It's like a f- futuristic scenario. There's a scene where you and McGregor's pissing in the morning. He gets up from bed. He pisses in the in the uh, urinal in his apartment, and the urinal scans his pee for trace elements and all this stuff, and says, and tells him in a in a robot voice from his urinal that he's not allowed any bacon that day because of his piss. And that's the kind of thing you're describing when you say if there's now a ledger that is property of the federal government now because it's their fiat currency that they would now have a record of everything you've consumed you know yep and so i just to like tie this back into the owen benjamin thing um another thing that like really you know telling that story it's hard to like get all the details in there but another thing that made me super suspicious is that on his streams and on everything that he talks about owen is very anti-cryptocurrency for all of these reasons Um, so that was weird as fuck, but, um, yeah, I mean, that public ledger, like, they say that it's, it's not public, you know, that, uh, like, you that they can't tell who is buying what, that they can just tell that people are buying these things. Mm -hmm. This person bought this thing and that it's completely, That's the metadata, metadata. Exactly. (laughs) Give me, give me like an hour to analyze it. I bet you I can figure out who some of those fucking people are by where they're buying things. Sure. You know, and you don't think even if they say that you can't get that level of detail, that they aren't getting that level of detail. Well, something they can say that something happened. Not, you know, like maybe a year or two ago where some big company had a bunch of Bitcoin stolen. Like they got, um, and I cannot remember what the scenario was, but they had there was maybe some kind of like oh wasn't it that something mountain? It was like a it was like a it was like a, your trust wallet type thing you were describing. That's what got compromised. Maybe yeah. I, I don't really remember the details, but some some you know somebody got some Bitcoin that didn't belong mm-hmm. to them. A lot and, of Bitcoin, and that's supposed to with Bitcoin. That's supposed to be the end. Once you have it, they're not supposed to be able to find out where you got it from, where you're, you know. See, and th- they did. The I, FBI found it and got it back for the company. So, so I, I think it's true with Bitcoin, but not with other cryptos, as far as I know. That you know how they say that uh, there's a back door, you know, in systems. Like most cryptos are built so that they're that, that they can be changed. The the parameters, the math, can be changed. With Bitcoin, that's not the case. Bitcoin is a closed system, and the guy that has access to it is missing. Nobody knows who he is. He's a phantom. And I think that's why Bitcoin, specifically, will never be the the fiat currency. If we go to a digital, it won't be Bitcoin. I can guarantee you that. And it should. I don't think Bitcoin's good, though. Well, I think it should be. If it's going to be any crypto, it should be Bitcoin. And that's specifically what it won't be. Because the government will have the ability. And I think what we're seeing right now with the debt ceiling situation, 
That will never happen again. We will never have that problem again if the fe- if the federal government sh- changes to a digital currency, because all they're gonna because all they're gonna do is go in by you know the back door, however they do that, and they're going to make the numbers whatever they need to be, and and they're gonna pretend like inflation, like the, they're gonna pretend like they're getting around the the um, the market. Like the natural um, ebbs and flows of the market, the, that whole um, balancing act. They're gonna. They're thinking that they're going. That they're wise enough here to have have wiggled around it, because by pretending suddenly that there's more money than there is, or that it's more valuable or less valuable, by being able to ratchet that up anytime they want, they think they're going to be able to avoid um, ever having an issue where we don't have enough money for what we need anymore for what the government wants to do anymore. And the world, it's going to be so complicated that the world won't catch on, that the markets won't catch on, that inflation will be a thing of the past because only the fucking wizard behind the veil has got his hands on the dials and nobody know, nobody else knows what's going on. That's my deepest fear with this. Mm-hmm. And I think, if you're taking my advice, audience, I think we, there should be extreme resistance to any sort of effort by the federal government to make a digital currency that they fucking control. Yep. It's a terrible idea. So if this happens, call your congressman, fellas and ladies. That's yeah. That's my advice. Uh, yeah, call your congress. Your, your congress people are probably going to be pushing for it, though. They're probably going to vote in favor of Call it. them, tell them, listen, Senator, I need you to stop worshiping Moloch for a second and listen to what I have to say. I mean, I think ideally we would go back to the way that money was early in this country, backed by gold, backed by, you know, something tangible. Yeah. Um, and I think that that would be the best case scenario. So I have a question about this. If Assuming we had a gold standard, a gold-backed dollar, let's say, at some point in the future, um, and we can keep control, better control over it because it's a finite resource now. It's not something you can just manipulate, print, you know, that kind of thing. Um, that Doing that, people don't realize that before we got off the gold standard, the amount of gold it took to, to go and buy a suit, a man's suit, a good quality suit. I can't remember what the statistic is, but the amount of money it cost to buy a suit um, at any point historically in this country was exactly the same until we went off the gold standard. So the amount of gold was always buying the same uh, the same value. It was always trading for the same value. We went off the gold standard and everything went and then the price of the suits and everything else continues to go up. You notice it never fucking goes down, does it? It just keeps going the fucking up, right? So this is the problem. If we went back on a on a gold standard, we'd solve lots of problems as far as that goes, as far as inflation goes, as far as the government's overreach goes but this is what i wonder imagine if somebody finds a gold mine that we didn't know about and it's like five times the amount of gold that is already in circulation just there in a mountain somewhere maybe that's on mars maybe that's in an asteroid maybe it's in the fucking sahara i don't know but imagine that happens within the supply and demand curve is fucked then the value of the dollar now has to be uh, divided among all of this other gold that exists, you know what I mean? Like, how does that work? Does it? I don't know. I don't. I mean, I see what you're saying, but I just don't. I don't 
see how the result of us getting more gold would be negative. You know, I agree that it would change things. Um, and I definitely see, like, the theoretical reasons why maybe it could go bad. But I don't know. It just doesn't seem like... It seems like you've got... You've still got all the resources that you were using the gold to pay for. And I just don't... I mean... Yeah. It just... I, I, in practice, I don't really see how that's a problem. Yeah, it seems like more more gold is good. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but if the dollar is based on the value of gold and, and the idea being that it's a finite resource, it seems like there has to be some consideration of the limit. Like, how do we define the, the value of a dollar in terms of gold if we don't know how much gold is, is out there? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. it's a good question. You think we're going to start mining asteroids? You think we're going to start pulling them down to the Earth and mining them? I think that there's a good chance that space is fake and that there are no <laughs> asteroids. You see this, this uh, Chinese spy balloon shit? Yeah, I wanted to talk about that too, yeah. We got a few minutes left. Yeah, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't know. It seems like it's, the whole thing seems like weird bullshit to me. It does seem weird, doesn't it? Um, and I just can't help but think, like I said this on Twitter and someone was like, okay, but what is it a distraction from? And I don't mean that like the spy balloon is distracting. Like, look over here while I do this sinister thing over here. I just mean that everything is so fucked and everyone is like letting their imaginations run wild about this fucking stupid balloon, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know, because it could be nefarious. It probably is nefarious. I mean, but when I read the when I read the articles about it, what I read, it basically said two things. The first one is that the information you could get from a balloon flying over the United States, you could already get from satellites. So. You know, satellites. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> it's like, uh, why should we be threatened by this balloon when they already have that information? They already have satellites. So there's that. Um, what was the other one? Um, shit. I don't know. But they did also say that its flight path went went over military facilities, um, including a place where we have inter intercontinental ballistic missiles mm -hmm. and um, they wouldn't shoot it down because they were afraid that the debris would damage or or potentially harm people on the ground what a crock of shit um, so yeah sure you don't want to shoot it down over a suburban neighborhood you know you don't want to do that you're telling me that nowhere on this fucking balloon on this balloon's journey from the Pacific Ocean all the way across our country yeah. to the Atlantic Ocean, there was nowhere where you could have shot that thing down. Nowhere. When, the, when the, we first were made aware of it, it was in Montana. Yeah. That seems like a great place to shoot Perfect. it down. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, lots <laughs> of like open, wide open spaces in Montana. Um, Do you think shooting it down is going to raise tensions? Do you think the Chinese are going to be like... You guys shut down our spy balloon. You sent a spy balloon over to our country. Suck my dick. You know, like, if that raises tensions, then tensions can be raised, you know? Like, I don't care. So why do you think they let it go across the whole country? I wonder about the validity of it, to be honest with you. I wonder if this is like another, um, this is going to be like another get Joe Biden the fuck out of here kind of a thing. Like, he, he let this Chinese spy balloon go all the way across uh. our country. That makes um, sense. You know, 
I, that, that's not going to go well when he's debating other Democrats for the nomination. And it's not going to go well if he has to go up against Trump again. Trump will fucking hammer him into that's the ground. That's also that. true. That's also true. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I don't think they're trying to set it up for Trump to win. Although, who fucking knows? Well, I definitely man. think the Democrats are trying to position Biden to not be the man running yeah. again. Because yeah. what, what was it just passed? Just to, oh, it was the document thing. Yep. And the, and there's still and you're still hearing a little bit about Hunter Biden's laptop. It's it's mm-hmm. not left the news. It still pops his little fucking turtle head up in the news every now and then. Yep. So I think that those are all three things that are going to be used against him by his own party. Yeah, I will say, you know, I said the thing about space being fake. And did you see? Did you see pictures of that thing? That balloon? Yeah, looked a lot like a satellite. Looked a lot <laughs> like a satellite. You know who the number one. Um, the number one consumer of helium in the entire world is the sun. NASA. What does that have to do with? They're all balloons, dude. Oh shit! Satellites are balloons. All the satellites. Elon, are balloons. Elon, are Starlinks full of helium? Let us know. Um, I, listen, we only have a few minutes. I want to tell you. You remember how you and I were at the last episode? I was telling you about reading the Vedas and the Soma and the, how they were, how they were. Invocating the gods, like bribing them with Soma to come to the to the altar, and we were having that conversation. So I finished that episode and I published it. I haven't published. I mean, it's published, but it's it's scheduled for the fifteenth to come out on the fifteenth. Um, so when that thing comes out, I'll be curious uh, if if you listen. I'll be curious what you think. But there is one bit of it that I didn't hadn't got to before when you and I talked about it last week. That was kind of interesting. It was like the question I was asking was: Is Soma psychedelic? And does that is that does the fact that the sacrifice that these ancient Hindu people are using to to lure the gods to them is that uh, is that uh, so I just spit all over the table while I was talking um, is the fact that it's psychedelic significant like the fact that psychedelics and the the idea of gods are connected intimately in Hinduism the gods come when you bring the psychedelic and the priests are eating it right and if you eat it you're going to see god you're going to be you're going to think you might have saw god so i'm wondering what the what the connections are between psychedelics and religion that's what this whole episode's about there's this bit in here that it's like um remember when uh, timothy leary and uh, and and alpert were talking about set and setting in the early in the early days in the 60s how important set and setting was mm. so let me just pull this up and read this for you here if i can get it Soma, there it is. All right, so down here at the bottom. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm going to read both of these to you. This one's so good. This is, um, you know, that there's a guy on Twitter uh, named David that I talked to. Who's a he's a white fellow, but he's a but he like he seems seems like he studied Hinduism. Maybe he lived there. He knows the language. He's a he's a super uh, interesting guy when it comes to Hinduism and a good bridge for me because he's another white fella. And uh, it's not like I'm talking to somebody who's using a bunch of Sanskrit words and making it difficult. Anyway, he sent me this one, and it's from the Rig Veda, and it goes like this: It's talking about soma. So you. I'll just read it to you. It says, Like violent gusts of winds, the drafts I have drunk have lifted me. Have I not drunk the soma juice? The heavens and the earth themselves have not grown equal to one half of me. Have I not drunk the soma juice? I and my grandeur have surpassed the heavens and all this spacious earth. Have I not drunk the soma juice? 
I, I greatest of the mighty ones, am lifted to the firmament. Have I not drunk the soma juice? So this is a guy saying, I felt these experiences, and they're proof that, I, that I've eaten soma, drank soma. So what soma does to you is it, it feels like violent winds lifting you up, right? It, it makes yourself feel that you're greater than the heavens and the earth. It makes yourself feel that you are the greatest of the mighty ones. Mm-hmm. So to me, very clearly a psychedelic experience, very clearly a mystical psychedelic experience, one that makes him feel like he's had an out-of-body experience, that he's gone somewhere else, that he's become greater than the heavens and the earth. He's become like God. Does, does, that, does that ring a bell? I mean, does that sound reasonable to you? Yeah. That this is what this is what's happening. Would just based on this alone, do you think soma is psychedelic? Uh, I I assumed that soma was psychedelic before I even heard that, but that seems like a. I mean, it seems like he's describing a psychedelic trip. It does. Yeah. And this last bit here is about the ritual itself. It's describing how these ancient Hindus would would go about the ritual, and this is the thing that I that I meant that sounded a lot, a lot like set and setting, like what we were going to hear from Timothy Leary in the 60s. It says, he makes hall with beams pointing east. So he's building a place that he's going to do this ritual in. It says, the gods and men divide the quarters. The sacrificer approaches the world of the gods. So it's like you built this place to have this experience. You divide it into quarters, which means you set out some kind of a sacred space within it. Then you approach the world of the gods, which is the table where the soma is sitting. Okay? It says he covers it over for the world of the gods is hidden from the world of men. So he puts like a little like a little cloth over top of the soma to, to, to symbolize the separation between God and man. And then he says, it is not easy, they say, to go from this world. That's like the ego death that people resist, that bad trip that, that they get as a result. Mm-hmm. He shaves his head and his beard. He trims his nails. He bathes in the waters. He sips the water. Verily, he becomes pure within. He who consecrates himself approaches Soma as his deity. He says, thou art the body of Soma. Guard my body. And I feel like when you say you are the body of Soma, guard my body. It's like what you're saying is, I'm, I'm about to leave it. So watch over my body because I'm about to leave it. You know what I mean? And he says, uh, verily with all the gods he consecrates him. Verily he consecrates himself with breath. With each he approaches the sacrifice. The man who is consecrated has fallen from this world and yet not gone to the world of the gods. It's like you're not dead, but you're not here anymore. He says, let the Lord of thought purify thee. The mind is the Lord of thought. So this is just sort of it. This is just sort of how it goes. So he's shaving his head. He's, he's washing his body. He's drinking water to, cl- to clean the inside of his body. He's making the place where he's going to have this experience just so, you know, all this stuff. In order to have the mystical experience, he goes through all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that wisdom is not from 1960. That wisdom is from 5,000 years ago. I would wonder if they had read that, you know. They, they, especially Alpert seems like the guy who might have uh, might have gotten his hands on that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Definitely seems to be set and setting that they're talking about there, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just thought it was brilliant, man. I, I I just wondered what you thought. I think that that's pretty interesting. 
Uh, you know, I, I've always, like I said, I've always kind of been under the assumption that soma was psychedelic, some sort of psychedelic substance. Yep. Uh, the whole time, but that's uh, definitely proof enough. Yeah, I think it's um, it's it, it that like I said, that definitely seems like the description of a psychedelic experience. So, so I don't want to be insensitive, um, but I'll say from a Western perspective, not knowing much about Hindu- Hinduism, when you see the iconography of Hinduism. It's like all these gods, some of them have blue skin, many of them have multiple arms. Um, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, I don't know, Kali and Shiva and all these, it's like they've got multiple arms and you imagine yourself in a psychedelic experience looking at your f- the trail of your fingers, like when you move your fingers across your face and it looks like you've got multiple hands. And I can't help but think of the multiple armed gods, you know? And it's just like, you know, like multiple faces on a god and, you know, all of the, like the imagery of Kali with her tongue sticking out and blood dripping out of her mouth. And she's, she's, ha- she's having a child and the child is laying on the ground underneath her legs. And you can see the umbilical cord still hanging out of her connected to this child, but the child is a man and she has her foot on it. Like she's conquered, a, uh, you know, conquered a, 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 a foe. Mm-hmm. And you've got this you know, it's like all this crazy image that you, can, you, you would imagine comes right from a terrible trip. You can imagine someone who had a terrible LSD experience might come back and say that they saw something like that. And it just makes me wonder how connected psychedelic experience is to the birth of religion and what that means. Does that mean that religion is just the interpretation of psychedelic experience? Or does it mean psychedelic experience opens you up to a legitimate view of what's beyond ordinary reality. Um, I don't know. I mean, what if, is there the possibility that it's neither of those things and something else? I suppose, but I would need to ask what that third option might be. I have to think about it. I mean... Well, like, this is not the first time that you've had this thought. It's not like you read that and you were like, I think that yeah. psychedelics are the, the root of all, yep. you know. Um, I'll tell you why it seems so compelling in this context. It's because Hinduism is an, a deeply, deeply old religion. It's the oldest continuously practiced religion in the world. The holy books are, you know, ages older than what than the Judeo-Christian Bible. You know, it's like... This tradition goes back deep, deep, deep into antiquity, so deep that groups that are unrelated, like in, like the people that live in Iran, the Persian people, they have deep historical connections in their religious tradition to this one. You know, they call Soma Homa, and it has, you know, in Hinduism they call the gods devas, in Zoroastrianism they call the devils devas. It's like they even have the exact same language. And it's like, this is a deeply ancient tradition, maybe the earliest, you know? And if the earliest religious traditions were based upon psychedelic experience, are they all, uh, you know? I'm not convinced that the psychedelic experience is giving you the full um, knowledge of the divine. I, I, don't get me wrong, I don't think that's the case. I think that's why there's so many differences in, in religions. I also don't think that psychedelics are the only way to have an experience like that. You know, it's not like 
if you don't have peyote or ayahuasca available, you're never going to have this experience. I think people will do have it through sensory and sleep deprivation and ecstatic ritual. I think they do have those experiences. Um, so they're achievable without taking exogenous chemicals. They're, they're achievable from whatever chemicals we can generate within our own bodies. What does that mean? You know? Pretty weird, man. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't know what, I mean, I just think that there's definitely two, there's definitely something to psychedelics, you know? Like, I definitely think that people who write it off is all in your head, I think that that's a mistake. I think that's a mistake, yeah. Yeah. That might be all we can say until till the day we die, man. We we figure it out or maybe, we or we don't. Maybe even after that. Maybe no. it's the eternal sleep, who knows. No, I don't think that. I, I can't I just can't buy that at this point. What if you're really tired, man? Well, you know, you don't don't die tired. You know, you need to be rested. That's because that's a, a risk that you take. That's a good advice from the two tongues to leave you on. Stay whatever rested, you, whatever you do, guys, don't die tired. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know, it's not easy work. Thinking, it's hard and full of uncertainties. But I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode.